0: Republican controlled legislatures in battleground states have rewritten election laws. Republicans say it's in order to make voting more
1: secure. Democrats say it's to make it harder for their traditional base to cast ballots. And who knows who is right? Am I right, 60 Minutes? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Both sides have such I got good a arguments. Something right. uh-huh. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Down the 60 minutes Clowns to the left me. Jokers to the right Here I am Stuck in the middle with you Get it right guys It's only democracy on the line From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN And Eureka's KGOE up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFC. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internet's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today as the fight for democracy continues overseas in Ukraine, we are trying hard to not lose sight of that similar fight here at home, even if it does not yet, thankfully, include bombs and bullets, uh, though we've heard plenty of threats along those lines of late. We'll get to that momentarily with a guest who is a longtime election official who is, frankly, hopping mad about all of that. But very quickly, uh, first, uh, one quick follow-up to my detailed coverage yesterday, my detailed warning, really, about the fact that uh, while we've got a sort of a short lull here, uh, COVID may not be as over as many think and wish and hope. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. How did you put it yesterday? That- you
2: may be done with COVID, but COVID is not done with you.
1: Hi, Desi Doyne. Hi. Uh, Yeah, there is another variant of Omicron said to be as much as 30% more transmissible than the wildly infectious original Omicron, OG Omicron strain, (laughs) uh, but potentially more deadly, like the Delta variant uh, on the horizon, as areas of Europe and Asia are already seeing. We. Uh, had some indications of already seeing that here in parts of the U.S. where the BA2 variant or stealth Omicron or Delta Cron, whatever you want to call it is already beginning to rise particularly in uh, the more unvaccinated parts of the country like the South uh, but yesterday Julia Raifman Boston University assistant professor who tracks state policies on COVID-19 uh, tweeted uh, quote wish it not to be true, but COVID is increasing in 37 percent of wastewater sites. While well, she's also seeing the same uh, surges abroad uh, that I referenced yesterday on the show. But it's in the U.S. where it's increasing in wastewater, sewage, tracking the virus in uh, wastewater around the country has been a very effective early warning system for surges in COVID throughout the pandemic, particularly in large metropolitan areas. And today, government scientists at the CDC, in fact, confirm that there has been an uptick in the presence of COVID 19 in wastewater samples taken across the U.S. in about a third of the agency's sample sites showing a rise in COVID cases from March 1 to March 10, a rise that was double what it was from February 1 to February 10 when the first highly infectious Omicron uh, variant was starting to wane. Amy Kirby, who heads the CDC's wastewater monitoring program, said some communities may be starting to see an increase in COVID-19 infections as as prevention strategies in many states have changed in recent weeks. The CDC's testing program is limited and does not provide a national representation of COVID spread, uh, so it remains unclear if uh, just how ominous, if ominous at all, this is. But Sadia Khan, an epidemiologist at Northwestern University, uh, said this is this increase is not a surprise and is of grave concern. Given the loosening of restrictions for activities and masking in schools and communities, if you look at patterns in Europe, there has been an increase in the last few days there as well. If we learned anything in this pandemic, it is that the trends in Europe precede our own Yes,
2: And here in the United States, we are heading into spring break season with lots of
1: travel. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, So, uh, yeah, Khan was referring there to the uh, European rise of the new BA2 variant we described yesterday. Khan added, however, the response should not be alarm, but focus on things that work like masking and vaccines and boosting. Khan said, I'm not giving up my mask anytime soon. The public health experts weighed in as the White House warned that the U.S. will soon run out of federal funding for future COVID booster shots and new treatments and testing efforts if spending legislation remains stuck in Congress as it currently is. So as I tried to urge yesterday, again, now is a really, really good time to get boosted. If you have not done so already, please just do it. The uh, unvaccinated continue to account for most of the reported COVID deaths, according to analyses by the CDC and the Kaiser Family Foundation, with about 1,300 a day still dying from the disease nationally, most of them unnecessarily. And those numbers could soon be going up again as we approach nearly one million killed by COVID in this country. Meanwhile, Ukraine said it's a possible room for compromise on Tuesday in peace talks with Russia while Moscow's forces stepped up their bombardment of Kiev and an estimated 20,000 civilians were able to flee uh, from the uh, encircled port city of Mariupol by way of a humanitarian corridor. The fast-moving developments on the diplomatic front and on the ground came on the 20th day of Russia's invasion as the number of Ukrainians fleeing the country amid Europe's heaviest fighting since World War II has now eclipsed 3 million people. And as Russia increased heavy, long-range bombardment on the capital city of Kiev, even as, according to U.S. officials who spoke to AP... They believe that Russia gr- Russian ground forces are making little to no progress around the country, so all the bombardment we are seeing uh, is coming from long-range missiles. Essentially, a top Ukrainian negotiator described the latest rounds of talks with Russians held via video conference as difficult and vicious, uh, but added there is room for compromise. And that talks would continue on Wednesday. Frankly, any time they're talking, I consider that to be a very good thing. Earlier in the day, another aide to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky was more optimistic, saying that the negotiations had become, quote, more constructive and that Russia had softened its stand by no longer airing its demand that Ukraine surrender. So there's that. The U.N. has said close to 700 civilians in Ukraine have been confirmed killed, with the uh, true figure likely to be much, much higher than that. Ukraine has said already that as many as 2,300 have been killed so far in the besieged southern city of Mariupol on the Sea of Azov, where a weeks-long siege has left residents struggling for food and water, heat, medicine, with uh, bodies being buried in mass graves. Two journalists now, two journalists working for Fox News, have now been confirmed to have been killed on Tuesday uh, when the vehicle they were traveling in was fired upon on Monday on the outskirts of Kiev, according to the network. Fox identified the two as, uh, well, one of them, longtime 55-year-old Fox video journalist Peter Zagruski, and 24-year-old Ukrainian journalist Alexandra uh, Kuvshinova, who was helping Fox crews navigate the area. The two were traveling in the same vehicle as Fox News correspondent Benjamin Hall, who was also said to have been injured in the attack. He reportedly remains hospitalized in Ukraine. Fox has not shared additional details about his condition. Will any of that Uh, changed the way that Fox's primetime star, Tucker Carlson, has been reporting on this war after stating previously that he supports Russia and Vladimir Putin. And after Russia's propaganda ministry, as we noted yesterday, has repeatedly instructed state-run media outlets, which at this point is to say all Russian media outlets, uh, instructed them to highlight Tucker Carlson's pro-Kremlin rants, in their own coverage. Well, any of that change at Fox now that at least two of their own journalists have been killed? We shall see, I guess, but it is uh, horrible news to hear, especially as it means that Russia is not only targeting civilians now on mass, which is a war crime, but they're now even targeting journalists covering the fighting, apparently they're fair game as well, as they see it. Um the journalist Zagruski has covered a lot of wars for Fox, so he knows how to identify as media. So, frankly, as I see it, this killing, as reported anyway, does not seem to have been a random wrong place, wrong time mistake. But we'll see. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky is set to address the U.S. House by video conference on Wednesday. And we hope to cover uh, anything newsworthy there on our next broadcast. For the moment, then, we're going to turn back to the fight to shore up our own teetering democracy here in the U.S. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with a 30-year, highly respected election official who, frankly, is hopping mad today. As the threats by Trump MAGA Republicans against American election officials continue... As GOP-controlled states use new laws to remove nonpartisan officials from their jobs, to replace them with partisans, and as a whole bunch of the nation's election officials, according to a new survey, appear on the verge of giving up entirely, putting upcoming elections at even more risk than they already are here in the U.S., the great Ion Sancho joins us next and then it's Desi Doyen here with our latest Green News report. Thereafter, I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to the broadcast.
2: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com/donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com/donate and thanks
1: welcome back to the bradcast brad friedman from bradblog.com Last year, Reuters began a series of investigative reports on the threats that election officials had faced in the wake of the 2020 presidential election, when Donald Trump lied to the country about his loss to Joe Biden, claiming there was massive fraud across the country. There wasn't. Hundreds, if not thousands, of election officials found themselves the target of threats of all kinds via email, texts, People showing up at their homes and offices, voicemails left on their phones. You are
0: done. This might be a good time to put a pistol in your mouth and pull the trigger if you are any part of this fraud. Do you understand? Do you realize there's a reason we just brought back the firing squad? No more painless lethal injection. From now on, the firing squad or poison gas, both are
1: torturous deaths. If you are in on this, let me tell you what, your days are numbered. That was just one of hundreds of such threats collected by Reuters last year. And that was, an elect- that was a threat to an election official in Vermont. Vermont where Donald Trump lost the election by more than 35 points in a state never thought to have been competitive for the Republican candidate. But, of course, in swing states like Georgia, election officials faced even worse harassment across the state. Here is one call left for Fulton County, Georgia's election director, Richard Barron, last June, according to Reuters, long after the 2020 election was actually over. Time's running out, Richard. We're coming after
0: you and every mother that stole this election with our Second Amendment. Subpoenas be damned. You're going to be served lead, you enemy communist.
1: You will be served lead. Reuters documented hundreds of such calls across the country, but those threats, uh, as bad as they are, have now turned into action. By GOP lawmakers. Since the 2020 election, lawmakers in Georgia's GOP majority state legislature, for example, have introduced 14 bills reorganizing county election boards that oversee election offices. So far, according to Washington Post, eight bills have been signed into law, resulting in a purge. Of longtime election board members, an exodus of election staffers, and the installation of Republicans who have proposed measures to reduce poll locations and cancel Sunday voting. In the case of Floyd County, Georgia, for example, as documented by the Post yesterday, the result was the abrupt dissolution of the entire nonpartisan election board that had been in place for decades. It was a county that elected one of Congress's most radicalized MAGA members, that would be Marjorie Taylor Greene, and where Trump won in that county twice, with roughly 70 percent of the vote. And yet, even there, those who had been running the election system had to go under the state's new MAGA election laws, allowing insufficiently Republican members of county board, uh, county elections, uh, elections boards to be replaced. By partisan county commissioners just prior to the state's January 5th, 2021, senatorial runoff elections that resulted in both Democrat both Democrats winning in Georgia, giving their party a majority in the U.S. Senate. Floyd County's then acting election director, who had served on the board for some 27 years, received an email warning her, quote, this country was founded on righteous war. And if this is what is required of us to defend our very democracy, we will step forward. It continued, anyone at these poll sites is worthy of our wrath. Detonations will occur at every polling site set up in this county. We'll make the Boston bombings look like child's play at the poll sites in this county. You have been warned. We will end you all. That was just before the U.S. Senate runoff back on January 5 of 2021. Nonetheless, that note sent to Election Director Vanessa Waddell uh, resulted in her notifying the police and then moving ahead, carrying out the election anyway successfully. On Election Day, the results were delivered on time. There were no discrepancies, according to The Post. The next day, you'll recall, the U.S. Capitol was attacked by Republicans incited by Donald Trump in hopes of preventing the certification of Joe Biden's electoral college victory. The Floyd County election director would, months later, be dismissed by the GOP county commission. Any thought that she and the rest of the election board had that the atmosphere might somehow calm down during those several months while well, that was gone. What amounted to a grassroots uprising had gained momentum in Georgia, It had become more organized and started coming and and they started coming after the election office in the county as the state legislature made it easier to replace longtime nonpartisan election officials on a partisan basis for virtually any reason that they could dream up. At one point, Floyd County Election Board members said their basement office began to feel like a bunker. One official would carry pepper spray to work. Another bought a stun gun and began checking the hands of people who showed up at the office. For her part, Waddell uh, said she considered bringing her gun to work as an election official. That story, of course, is just one of hundreds that we could tell about the attacks and the threats against and the replacement of election officials in Georgia and elsewhere since Donald Trump unleashed his big lie about the 2020 elections. Last December, for example, we were joined on this program by one of Georgia's longtime civil rights icons, Helen Butler. Who had served on Morgan County's Board of Elections for decades until, as Reuters reported last year, the majority Republican County Commission reconstituted its election board, ousting two outspoken black Democrats. One of them, of course, was Butler, removed after a new law eliminated political party appointments to the election board and handed appointment power to the Republican dominated County Commission. And now, as a new Brennan Center poll of local election officials around the country finds this was taken more than a year since the Trump incited attack on the Capitol. The new poll shows how damaging this sustained attack against those officials and their colleagues have been, putting a political election administrators and our democratic system in serious danger. According to the Brennan Center, one in six election officials, they say, have experienced threats because of their job. Seventy seven percent say that that they feel these threats have increased in recent years, ranging from death threats that name officials young children. To racist and gendered harassment, these attacks have forced election officials across the country to take steps like hiring personal security, fleeing their homes, putting their children into counseling. Over half of poll respondents reported that they are concerned about the safety of their colleagues. More than one in four are concerned about being assaulted on the job. Some election workers have decided these threats are too high a risk. 30% Thirty percent of the officials in their poll of uh, one or more, uh, no, of one or more election officials who have left at least in part because of fear for their own safety, increased threats or intimidation. In the long term, sixty percent of officials are concerned that threats, harassment, and intimidation against officials will make it difficult to retain and recruit election workers. Most election officials like their jobs. The study finds with three and four agreeing that they find real enjoyment in their roles. However, 20 percent plan to leave before the 2024 election, with one third of those citing political leaders attacks on a system they know is fair and honest as one of their top reasons for leaving and nearly one third cite unnecessary stress is one of their top reasons for leaving. Joining us now is one of the nation's greatest, unfortunately, now former election officials. Also a longtime friend of this show and Bradblog.com, Leon County, Florida's Ion Sancho. He served for nearly 30 years as the elected supervisor of elections in Leon County, Florida, which includes the state capital of Tallahassee before he retired In 2016, as I've noted many times when he appears on this program, Sancho was so well respected by his colleagues across the state that they appointed him to oversee the eventually aborted and legendarily contentious 2000 presidential election recount in the state of Florida. He was also a key player. In HBO's Emmy nominated 2006 documentary on the vulnerabilities of the nation's voting systems called Hacking Democracy, in which he oversaw what was believed to be the first public hack of a computerized tabulation system during a mock election held on the very same systems that he had been using to tally elections in Leon County. Oh, Ion Sancho. Welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brad. I am not even sure where to start, Ion. Uh, you know, two weeks ago in the uh, first midterm primary elections of the year in the state of Texas, some polling places in Harris County actually barred voting for Democrats and others barred voting for Republicans because they could not get enough election workers from each party uh, to serve at the polls. And this was in a midterm primary election with, you know, few polling places even open. You've been a longtime supporter of your colleagues as an election official. First, uh, you know, what do you make of this new study from Brennan suggesting a huge number of officials have quit or are planning to quit before the next presidential election?
0: This is not surprising to me at all, Brad, because election officials all over the country, irrespective of partisan affiliation, have been tragically attacked because of our ex President's lie—the most horrible lie about our elections, quite frankly, in my lifetime—and it, 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 my head explodes (laughs) to think where this issue and how it's being handled in this country because it's not being dealt with at all. That's why election officials all across the country, whether in Vermont, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Arizona are subject to the most vile attacks because the supporters or the cultists, if you want to call them that, believe that the election was stolen, and this is such a bald-faced lie. It's a tragic lie. It's a stupid lie. And it demonstrates the ignorance of the American citizenry about our elections. As someone who has essentially spent his entire adult life Working in this field to try to bring improvements, uh, I'm. This is just tragic. It's mm. tragic.
1: Ion, um, uh, you were a, a bit of a lightning rod yourself over the years in Tallahassee. You stood up to the voting machine companies and the uh, the state of Florida, who often forced you to use voting systems you did not have confidence in. Did you face these kind of threats from the from the public through, throughout that period? Well, I, I actually did
0: um, back after we did the uh, what is known as the Hersey hack, and
1: the one that's um, seen in the HBO documentary Hacking Democracy. Yeah yeah,
0: yes, and, and quite frankly uh, uh, for, right after that film debuted, one of my friends gave me a shotgun for personal protection. Mm. let's put it that way, yeah because I was getting threats from people who were saying, you have betrayed the vendor. And But I will tell you that... The vendor, let me just
1: be clear, the <laughs> vendor was, was Diebold, a company. So this, you got death threats because you betrayed the private voting machine company, Diebold? Yes,
0: yes, oh, I did. God. And uh, But then I will tell you that I had an advantage over most of my peers in that I did not come from the background of elections administration. And this is a critical point. I actually had a law degree. I was going in the direction of, a, of being a civil rights lawyer mm-hmm. and when I, I ran for a, a local position, and the local supervisor election blew the election and that kind, of, I basically rolled up my sleeves and decided, "I'm going to fix the problem here." And I never left the field because mm-hmm. there were a number of problems. they've never been fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of my peers don't have that kind of activist background. And this is something that most of your audience need to understand that election officials are, to be good at this job, you have to be an excellent administrator. Mm-hmm. And you have to essentially recognize that you have to put loyalty to the principles of elections over loyalty to persons, political officials political parties, or even government departments. Mm -hmm. As an elected official, I had the ability to stand up and act as an individual, and yes, I did get slings and arrows thrown at me, but the fact of the matter is, most elected officials are administrators, not activists, Mm -hmm. not individuals who are used to dealing with the political process, except as standing away from it and facilitating elections. We take oaths to be nonpartisan, and one of the proudest moments of my life was the creation of helping write the standards of code and conduct for the election center Mm -hmm. to apply to all national election officials relative to putting loyalty to the principles of fair and honest elections Mm -hmm. over anything else. I will tell you, for example, while my position was an elected official in Leon County, When I was elected, um, one of my major volunteers wanted to work in the office, and I told them you would have to resign from the president of the Young Democrats of the state of Florida or I could not employ you, Mm -hmm. because I could not—positions in my office had to be scrupulously Mm -hmm. nonpartisan. And if you were the president of a Democrat or president of a Republican organization— that would seem to have a conflict to me. And so I essentially had to break friendships with individuals who had helped me gain victory because it was simply improper Mm -hmm. to do that. And election officials have this mindset of staying away from the political process. And this, unfortunately, has fed into the problem because in order to defend themselves, they actually have to do what? They have to actually attack a former president... As a liar. And that is not something that election officials, whether it's in Florida or Illinois and New York, that's not something that we do. We try to stand away from the political process. Our goal is to facilitate fair elections. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 one of the additional problems of this attack is it's against a group of individuals who are probably least able to defend themselves against these sort of political attacks.
1: Let, let me ask you, Ion. Uh, because this election, obviously the 2020 election, has, has made a lot of uh, strange bedfellows. I find myself, oddly enough and uncomfortably enough, you know, defending companies like Dominion Voting Systems, <laughs> which is, you know, really bizarre. You know my history. You know how I've held all of the voting system uh, companies accountable over these years. But then, the the MAGA mob has taken a lot of my work and basically twisted it to lie about those companies, to make up facts, to get facts wrong. I have been over the years, n- not just critical of voting machine companies, but of election officials as well. Uh, in certain cases, I've tried to hold their feet to the fire when it was deserved. What is different You know, should I be uh, criticized for? You know, I've been told, "Oh, you're you're uh, attacking election officials. You're attacking poll workers." What's different about that sort of criticism versus what we are seeing now?
0: Well, the the
1: the difference
0: is that you are focusing on specific issues, issues that are provable fact, whether or not. This system was working, or this process was disenfranchising these individuals, and you X, you could do Y over here and do a better job. That's, that's different than the kind of criticism that we have right now. Because, quite frankly, your criticism doesn't threaten the democratic experiment. Mm. And what we find ourselves now is that the great American experiment, our democracy, is being threatened. And our nation is only as strong as the faith our citizens have in their voice and their vote being counted. Mm -hmm. It's as strong as that, and it's been destroyed. It's been destroyed by individuals who would rather believe a narcissistic liar than understand the truth. And the ironic thing is that many of these individuals have voted for their election officials over the years, Mm -hmm. have contributed to them. And let me give you the example when when um, the, the immediate past president of our association, a Republican, Pam Jones from from Levy County, she sent out a flyer asking people if they wanted to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. She was a Republican in a majority Republican county who had been overwhelmingly elected multiple times. She was viciously attacked. Why are you using this fraudulent method? Why are you trying to steal our elections? She was not trying to steal the election during the covid people could not show up mm-hmm. and vote in many uh, situations i myself um suffered an immune disease uh, an autoimmune disease that prevented me from actually meeting with, mingling with any human being mm-hmm. and so i voted by mail um and i was really glad to have that opportunity to do so because otherwise my life could have been threatened by the disease that i yeah. was dealing with and yet All of these efforts to try to provide good service have morphed into you're stealing our elections. These raising doubts about elections in the absence of evidence of wrongdoing is horrible. And and there's the absence of evidence is a critical thing. If you have valid criticisms, Mm -hmm. you bring the evidence. As we did in Leon County Mm -hmm. when we performed the hack, we filmed it. Mm -hmm. We had the evidence. You could see it scientifically, and it was verified by other scientists and technicians across the country. There is no validation here from independent experts at all. In fact, there's a closed-mind kind of echo chamber, which mirrors the same kind of echo chamber that we have split our nation into camps now, and these echo chambers are resistant to truth and evidence. We live now almost in a fact-free existence in some areas. And this is going to destroy our ability to be a democratic state. And I do not think it was mere chance that the attack in Ukraine occurred now, Mm. because we are as split as we've ever been. And our ex-president put us into that situation. So. leaving aside the foreign policy implications here with election officials, we are in the process of destroying a model of nonpartisan elections administration that has taken decades to build, Mm. to inculcate in these individuals that you really should not be partisan. Because quite frankly, our history was that many election officials over the years were. As a student of history of elections, I can tell you that Really, up until the 1950s, really parties controlled the elections. Mm-hmm. You know, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was attacked for stealing his first congressional victory in Texas, actually had the cooperation of his local supervisor of elections, and those tainted ballots from the cemetery were driven to the courthouse by the Texas uh, the Texas uh, Rangers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, up until really up, up until World War II, we were a pretty parochial process of elections in which bosses could in fact deliver votes that age is pretty much gone for the most part mm-hmm. and we've tried to replace that with non-partisan elections administration a commitment to the service not the people or the party but it, it, it's it's a, it's a constant dilemma i can tell you well, when i was first elected i had a city commissioner attack me for registering university students who were registered far lower than their percentages in the population. Mm -hmm. This individual was a Democrat, and of course, as as old as I am, we're talking about the Reagan administration. He didn't want me to register university students because he thought that President Reagan was influencing a lot of the young people to register as Republicans. I had to tell him, it is irrelevant to me. It is their choice. They can choose, and they have the right to choose. And that's the end of the story. I will register people who are not registered to vote because that is the job of an election official. Because as we have stated in our founding documents, in the Declaration of Independence, the will of the governed must be made manifest. The will of the governed can only be expressed at the ballot box in a democratic republic. And today, what I'm seeing is threatening to destroy what we have taken two hundred plus years to build.
1: Ion, I began this uh, segment uh, with you know some of these actual death threats from uh, you know random people to election officials, and it is terrible. And Reuters has done a great job of documenting these threats. But in one sense, uh, it seems to me the greater threat to democracy. Uh, is not from those crazy people, but from those crazy people uh, having their concerns translated into actual law, as we saw in uh, in Georgia now, where they're uh, removing election officials because of these new laws. Your governor, uh, Republican Ron DeSantis in Florida, a likely presidential hopeful himself, he has recently been pushing a law, uh, and I don't know if it's been adopted yet or not, that would uh, create an election fraud process. Police squad, as I understand it, I guess uh, in, in yes. Florida, uh, w- what can you tell me uh, about that effort at this time?
0: It has passed the legislature the legislature adjourned yesterday, and it awaits Governors DeSantis and as he pushed the legislation for the creation of the first in the nation elections police by police selected personally by him to oversee investigations. They're not merely responding to requests. There's no hotline that they would take the hotline and investigate. They're free to go anywhere they want to. And this is part of the intimidation of election officials which is occurring in Florida and nationwide. And that,
1: For, I, I, well, I wanted to ask about that because, you know, our Secretary of State's office out here in California, we have uh, an election fraud unit in that office where, you know, potential crimes can be reported and investigated. How is what DeSantis is doing any different from uh, what, what goes on out here in California or other uh, offices around the country where they, you know, have... Uh, you know, prosecutors, investigators specifically looking at election fraud complaints.
0: They've divorced the process from the Secretary of State and the Elections Office and moved it strictly into the area of the governor's private police force on elections. That's what they've done. Mm. And this this is uh, it's insufferable. It's wrong. It was completely unnecessary because even the Secretary of State's office in the, in the state of Florida, Secretary of State Laura Lee, she is the partisan appointee of the governor. That's not good enough. That's not good enough, apparently. The governor wants his own police force to be able to investigate any charges that he feels necessary to be investigated, which is part of this intimidation. Mm. There used to be a requirement for, you know, some kind of reasonable uh, re- you know, reason. You must have some kind of basic reason that's, that is,
1: Probable cause, injury, yeah.
0: Yes, probable cause. Uh, now we're seeing, well, the secret police in the state of Florida. for <sighs> elections. Which, who who controls this? We don't know, but I will tell you, Florida is just, is unfortunately one of the leaders of this effort nationally to change nonpartisan fair elections into something else. Senator Joe Gruder who, by the way, is the president of the Florida Senate, is in fact the president of the RNC Committee on Voter Integrity. And in fact, in that role, has gone to other states around the country, has gone to Georgia, has gone to Texas, has gone to Arizona, to push the lie, and a lie that is essentially an outline of how to restrict citizens' access to voting that was developed by right-wing groups. We know because Mm -hmm. of the news media reports that these kind of talking points were released over a year ago. There was a blueprint for how to restrict citizens' access to the ballot. And the legislators in Florida know there was no fraud. The Secretary of State has announced there's no fraud. We've done audits up and down, just as Georgia has. And Georgia is an excellent example. They have counted their ballots by hand. They have rescanned their ballots. Everything checked out perfectly, and the evidence and the truth of what has occurred made no impact to the legislators of Georgia. They are marching in lockstep to ensure that we can use these rules to make it more difficult for citizens to vote by mail, and to vote in, in difficult in general.
1: Is um, is there a, a solution here, Ion? I mean, I, I see this moving, obviously, in a very dark direction, as you do. I'm wondering, uh, you know, what to do about it, what needs to be done, because in, in truth, I really do not know. Do you even have confidence that we're going to be able to carry out elections in this country moving forward if we continue along these lines?
0: Not if we don't have the individuals necessary and committed to do the job necessary to do the job. And that was one of the big things that that did save us in 2020 is that organizations, all sorts of organizations, came out and really pushed to find new poll workers, new Mm -hmm. election workers, because the traditional group of individuals who work elections are now in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. -hmm. And when the COVID came out, a lot of these individuals simply found themselves not able to work. Yeah. And I will tell you that that was part of the formula that that ex-president Trump tried to essentially push early on. He thought that if there were not enough election workers, then there would be chaos on election day. And that, in combination with the chaos that he was causing with vote by mail ballots, was the was the thing that he was trying to use to shoehorn himself into the Supreme Court. The actual Turnout of individuals who have never worked elections in their lives saved that yeah. from occurring. Yeah. But the part about the vote by mail was still there, uh, set up by the president and his attorney general, Trump, from April of 2020, as far back as I could trace it. Yep. He was setting this stage. And I will tell you that, uh, you know, it's hard for me to see how do we get around this. We need to pass laws making it illegal to threaten an election official Mm -hmm. or to intimidate them. How is that not a law
1: already? How is that not a law already, uh, Ion? I mean, Reuters reported, you know, these hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, and they had the audio for them. You know, these threats that were left by voicemail. Very few, if any, of them were investigated at all. I yes. think no one has been held accountable yes. for these threats. It's it's as if it's become perfectly legal now. I guess to uh, threaten election officials.
0: Well, you, it should be illegal to threaten an election official for the purposes. Of intimidating them from doing their job and counting the votes. That should be illegal, and it is not. There's no law in Florida that prevents election officials from that kind of intimidation, there is none.
1: is there anything? I've got just a minute or two here, uh, Ion, uh, and, and I, I want to underscore, by the way, uh, during the 2020 election, you're right, it was a lot of young people, uh, who came out who weren't quite as vulnerable to the, uh, to the pandemic, who showed up to volunteer to work as poll workers. I'm hoping. A lot of those uh, folks will stick with it uh, in in the midterms and in the 2024 election. I know that the folks at RunForSomething.net, dot net, I believe, are trying to recruit. Uh, people to run for election official positions, young people uh diverse people um, you know as many of them are being uh, scared away right now uh, folks who have been running them for years but is the uh is is the federal government the D- the department of justice ion sancho uh doing enough here in your opinion, is there more that they could or 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 should be doing
0: well, I think there' are more that they should be doing, but you have to understand historically. Our elections have been controlled by the states, even though the Constitution gives the federal government the ability and the power to step in, as they did with the National Voter Registration Act, for example, Mm -hmm. or with civil rights legislation, the Voting Voting Rights Act of Mm -hmm. 1960, which makes election officials responsible for all election materials, and they have to be safe for 22 months. But the states really have... A major responsibility for providing the structure and the laws for effective voting. And I think that's something that we have to look at, because the United States joins a small cadre of countries, North Korea, for example, Libya, uh, who do not actually have any centralized voting laws. So, for example, somebody from Georgia moving to Florida, a whole new set of laws that they have to mm-hmm. pay attention to, mm-hmm. which if they don't, they're not going to be able to vote so we've created this hodgepodge system of 50 what were supposed to be laboratories of democracy, but now there are 50 citadels of repression mm. for the most part. And, and uh, we've got to turn this around. All legal citizens should have the right to vote accessibly and have that vote counted as they intended, and then we should audit the elections to confirm the validity of that election. That's as simple as as it can be. And yet we're very far away from that, as you know.
1: Yeah, and we seem to be getting uh, farther. Ion Sancho, I, uh, you know, I, I, I well, A, uh, thank you for your 30 years of service uh, in Leon County and I, uh, before you retired in 2016. I know you were hoping to get some peace and quiet since then. I'm thanking you for the fact that you have not uh, been quiet since then, that you continue to make noise. Uh, I, I would urge folks to follow uh, Ion's Twitter feed, Ion Sancho one that's the number one because he still continues to follow this very closely and Ion anytime you need to come on air and blow off some steam and let folks know what is going on and what we can do about it and what needs to be understood please let me know our microphones are always open to you and your continuing service after all of those years at Leon County Uh, because I think a lot of election officials especially now are concerned about speaking up for themselves. That was always sort of a scary thing. You were never uh, frightened by that, it seems. But especially now, I think uh, a lot of us need to uh, speak up for election officials, even as we continue to uh, to hold their feet to the fire, as appropriate uh, and as uh, you know, the, the evidence uh, actually supports. Ion Sancho, uh, thank you, brother, for all that you do. And as I said, you can find him at Ion Sancho 1. Hope we talk to you soon, my friend, with, with some kind of better news, please.
0: Thank you and protect our elections.
1: Thank you, sir. Working on it.
2: <laughs> yes. All
1: right, quick break. And Desi Doyen, you're up. Yep. With the Green News Report. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Well, I'm looking down the list here, Des. And uh, after today, covering uh, the potential return of uh, COVID... The disasters in Ukraine, the attacks on election officials. I was kind of hoping that, oh, maybe there was some brighter news in the Green News report.
2: There is, but it's close to the
1: end. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> oh, well, we don't make the news. We just report it, as you'll learn in our latest Green News report. The adverse
0: health effects alone from power plant related pollution are valued at $80 billion per year.
2: Biden EPA unveils new rules to clean up deadly smog and truck pollution.
0: Australia? is becoming a harder country to live in because of these natural
1: disasters.
2: Australia pummeled by weeks of torrential rains and deadly floods. Plus...
1: The energy firm saw fourth quarter profits hit their highest in eight years.
2: Consumers pay at the pump while big oil pulls in big bucks.
1: All of that profiteering and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis and snarky comment. President
0: Biden has hosted electric vehicle stakeholders here at the White House... Would he host oil and gas producers, the people who are the most affected by the Putin price hike?
1: By the most affected, you mean the ones who are making the most money? Peter Ducey of Fox News, you imbecile. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Tessie Doyen, the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues to royal the energy markets.
2: Yes, indeed it does. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has underscored how nations remain extraordinarily dependent on fossil fuels, even as they try to shore up supplies. At the same time, scientists are warning the world must slash fossil fuel use to avoid catastrophic climate impact. Huh. Bloomberg News on Monday reported that China plans a massive increase in coal mining to dramatically reduce its reliance on fossil fuel imports. Great plan. That will undercut China's climate policies in the near term. The Russian invasion has also laid bare the strategic vulnerability of fossil fuel dependence that can be wielded both as an energy weapon and an economic weapon. Officials report the Russian military has seized major gas infrastructure in eastern Ukraine, cutting off supplies to nearly a million people amid below freezing temperatures. Officials also say that late last week, Russian troops seized two compressor stations along a major gas pipeline from Russia to Europe that crosses Ukraine, a tacit warning that they can cut off all Russian gas imports to Europe.
1: The petro wars continue, and I guess they're going to continue to continue. Until we get off this addiction.
2: The price of crude oil fell below $100 on global markets Monday after not quite reaching all-time highs that were set back in 2008. The surge in crude oil prices triggered instant price hikes for consumers at the pump over the last two weeks. But despite the drop in crude oil prices, it will likely take weeks for gas prices (laughs) to fall for consumers. That's
1: a pretty good scam. So the price of oil futures goes up, so does the price at the pump. The price of futures comes down, well, we'll see about lowering it. Maybe sometime next month.
2: Exactly. But oil industry profit margins in 2021 and the first quarter of 2022 have hit their highest levels in eight years. Sure they have. Senate Democrats have introduced legislation to enact a windfall profit tax, alleging the oil industry is profiteering off of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Alleging? But that won't stop oil industry CEOs from cashing in. According to a new analysis by nonprofit groups Friends of the Earth and Bailout Watch, over for just the last month, as Russia moved to invade Ukraine, big oil CEOs sold millions of dollars worth of shares, pulling in a combined profit of nearly $99 million. And over the last year, the CEOs of the five biggest oil companies together personally gained $8 billion in wealth.
1: Nice corrupt work if you can get it.
2: A national emergency in Australia.
1: There is no flood event that has occurred in this part
2: of Australia like this in anyone's living or recorded memory. Conservative Prime Minister Scott Morrison declared a national emergency after more than two weeks of climate change-intensified record rainfall inundated vast areas from Brisbane to Sydney. The floods are being called one of Australia's worst-ever disasters and have killed at least 22 people, rendered thousands of homes uninhabitable, and caused billions of dollars in damages. Numerous studies show intense precipitation events are becoming more common with man-made global warming. I'm Finally, some good news. Noting that air pollution doesn't stay within state lines, the Biden Environmental Protection Agency unveiled new standards to cut nitrogen oxide, a pollutant released by power and chemical plants and other industries, and a key ingredient of ozone-related smog. The new rule targets pollutants that drift across state lines. By 2026, EPA projects that every dollar invested in meeting the new rule will return 9 dollars in public benefits as EPA Chief Michael Regan explained at an energy conference last week, clearing the air literally saves
0: lives.
1: Every year, pollution from power plants cause 8000 fine
0: particle and ozone related premature deaths. Tens of thousands of new asthma cases, thousands of heart attacks and millions of law school and work days.
2: The Biden EPA also announced new tailpipe rules for heavy trucks, the biggest polluters on the road for the first time in decades.
1: Tyranny. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. So, hey. Get out of the show with some disco. That'll cheer us all up.
2: Yeah, some cleaner air, some dancing. What's
1: wrong with that? What's wrong? Everything is just fine. Thank you very much, Desi Toyin, our producer. Thanks to my guest today, the legendary uh, Florida election supervisor, Ion Sancho, and to all of you for sharing a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or you want to hear it again or share it with your friends, families, and enemies, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Now is the time when I say thank you to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to try to do what we do every day over your public airwaves. We seriously cannot do it without you. If you haven't donated in a while, please consider stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That is it. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.